Let's pray together. Father, King of glory and of grace, before your throne we come today. We know, Lord, that your word says that there will come a day when every knee will bow and every tongue confess that you are Lord. But we would like to start today. So accept our worship, Sovereign King. We pray in the name of our Savior and Redeemer, Jesus Christ. Amen. What is the statute of limitations on apologies? I ask because in the newspaper on December 24th, I saw that the Vatican had um, apologized to Galileo. You remember Galileo, the 16th and 17th century astronomer who said the sun was the center of the universe and um, they forced him to recant and sentence him to house arrest for the last nine years of his life, but they apologized 400 years later. And it reminded me of that popular song by Timbaland, which is not my favorite group. And they say again and again in one of those 420 songs, you know, four words, 20 times, too late to apologize. Too late, too late to apologize. And I wonder, what do you say? I mean, when does the apology just come too late? And is there anybody on your list, and we all have our lists, that just has just waited too late? What do you think? What, what does God say in His Word? Would you open your Bibles with me to Matthew chapter 3? Verses 1 to 12. Matthew 3, verse 1. We left Jesus in Nazareth. Christmas Eve, we, we talked about um, that God, right on time, sent His Son into the world. Now watch God on the move. Matthew chapter 3, verse 1. Let's stand together to read God's Word. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the desert of Judea and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. This is he who was spoken of through the prophet Isaiah, a voice of one calling in the desert. Prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight paths for him. John's clothes were made of camel's hair and he had a leather belt around his waist. His food was locusts and wild honey. People went out to him from Jerusalem. And all Judea and the whole region of the Jordan, confessing their sins, they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to where he was baptizing, he said to them, you brood of vipers who warned you to flee from the coming wrath, produce fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not think you can say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham The axe is already at the root of the trees, and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you with water for repentance. But after me will come one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not fit to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor, gathering his wheat into the barn and burning up the chaff with unquenchable fire. You may be seated. 
Well, it had been 400 years. 400 years since the last Old Testament prophet Malachi had written and said, God will draw the hearts of children to their fathers and fathers to their children, anticipating a day of revival and renewal. And after 400 years of seeming radio silence, there came a moment after Jesus had been born, after He and His family had moved to Nazareth, that His cousin John started to preach. And do you hear His message? Repent. For the kingdom of heaven is near. Does that sound like a message that would cause great throngs of people to come? Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. That was his message. It doesn't sound very seeker friendly, does it? Repent, you have to change. The kingdom of heaven is near. And if you like his message, you'll love Jesus' first sermon. Also in Matthew chapter 4, verse 17, when Jesus comes preaching and says, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. To repent is to change our minds, leading in a change in direction. And it's interesting to hear their rationale for this repentance because it worked then. It worked in the early church in Acts chapter 2 at Pentecost when they preached and said, Repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of sins. And unless I miss my guess, it works today. They said repent because the kingdom of heaven is near. And that was not a geographic reference. They were not saying, do you people know that you live in the Holy Land? That God worked here in Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and in generations past and you just happened to be lucky enough to live in this spot. That was not what they were saying. They were saying, there is a kingdom... And that kingdom has a king. And that king has come down the staircase of heaven right into our world. And he lives among us. God is here. God is near. And all the people came because God was there. And they said, if I can uh, sort of put it in our own language, all heaven has broken loose. God is among us. And because He is, the good news is, we can repent. We can be changed. We can start over again. God will revive us and fulfill the request of the psalmist who said, Oh God, will you not revive us again that your people may rejoice in you? And if you want to know how revival starts, it starts not in the world at large, but among the people of God. When we come confessing our sins and turning from our wicked ways and discover that God hears our prayer and forgives our sin and heals our land, it's not too late to apologize because all heaven has broken loose in our world. And if all heaven is broken loose, then you see what happens in in verse 5. We see the people coming. They're they're repenting. They're turning. You know, repentance is a change of direction. We spent the last week in New York City and we tried to figure out the subway system. And uh, I don't know if you've ever tried that, but good luck with that. And we, we got on a train sometimes and we were on the right train, headed the wrong direction. And so we'd have to get off the train and go back upstairs and pay again and come back and get on the same train and go the opposite direction because 
We needed to change direction. We could have ridden the right train in the wrong direction for the rest of our lives and never gotten where we were going. So we had to change. And that's why the people came. Notice it says in verse 5, they came from Jerusalem. They came from Judea. They came from all of Jordan. They came from out of their way. And why did they come? Was it just this magnetic, charismatic figure, John the Baptist? They just had to hear his latest sermon. The description is not very impressive. Not camel hair suit, but camel's hair. Eating, um, eating locusts and wild honey. And saying over and over again, repent. And they came in droves, in great throngs of people, came to hear that message because they hoped that they could be changed. And they submitted to water baptism and anticipated the baptism of the Spirit that John proclaimed. And I'm just always amazed when people come. You may think I'm I'm making this up, but every Sunday I wonder when I come if anybody will come. And I'm always glad to see you. Because, I mean, I'm glad, there are three things that make me grateful. I mean, I'm grateful that God, God forgives me. And I'm grateful that Melanie loves me. And I'm grateful that anybody listens to me preach. I'm just grateful. And here these people were coming and they were coming. Why? Last Sunday we had the chance. We just found ourselves in Brooklyn. And um, there's a little choir over there in uh, Brooklyn. The Brooklyn Tabernacle Choir. And so we went to the Brooklyn Tabernacle. And Jim Cimbala is a very powerful preacher and we went and we heard the choir sing and we it was two and a half hours we were looking for a parking place when we got there for the early service which is the small service and we found one you know there beside the road it said no standing here we weren't planning on standing anywhere we were going in and so that means no parking by the way and so a policeman pulled up as we parked and rolled down his window and said if you leave it here it won't be here when you get out and I said thank you I appreciate that good word of reproof and so we got back in the car and I found this little parking lot and it had have you ever seen those layers of parking they had like four Four layers and so that you would park and they would move your car to the fourth level and then the next person to the third and the next to the second and people were standing in line to park there and then two and a half hour services and two offerings later and a great music and a great sermon and and great confession and great forgiveness and then we went back out and waited in line to get our car and and we had had it stamped by the church which meant that we only had to pay twenty seven dollars to park there. And I thought, why do people come? Is it the choir? Because the choir is good, but I'm, I'm partial to this choir, but I like their choir, okay. Is it the preaching, which was outstanding? I, I tell you, I don't think anybody would pay 27 bucks a week to wait and a half hour in line to park and a half hour in line to pick up their car because it might be on the fourth level and they have to move all three cars beneath it to get your car out. And that might be the person. I don't think that, I think the only reason they were coming was because they believed God was going to be there when they got there. And I can't think of any better reason to come to God's house except to anticipate that He might just show up. God might just, as He promised, keep His promise as He always does when two or more are gathered in His name and show up among us. And and they came and it says they confessed their sins. Notice that. I, I say that because I'm pretty good at confessing other people's sins. I mean, I can see sin a long way off, but... At confessing my own sins, I I struggle a little bit. I can mourn and grieve over the sins of other people. But I have a harder time acknowledging my own. Maybe I'm just too close to the situation. But it says they confessed their sins. I read about three preachers who gathered together for prayer and They said, you know, our people are always confessing to us. Maybe we should confess to each other. You know, confession is good for the soul. Confess your sins one to another. You'll be healed. 
One guy said, I'll tell you what my problem is. Sometimes I go behind my office door and I just pull out a cigar and smoke it. I'm just, I'm not going to tell my people that, but I'm telling you guys that. And they said, wow, we never knew. And next guy said, I'll tell you, I don't do it every day, but every once in a while I buy a lottery ticket. I mean, I do. I just do. I, I wish I didn't, but I do. They looked at the third guy and he was just shaking his head and they said, what do you do? And he said, nah. And they said, no, come on, tell us, what is your sin? He said, I don't want to tell you. And they said, come on, tell us. We told you our sins. He said, my sin is gossip and I can't wait to get out of here. I mean, I just, (laughs) I got to go confess your sins to somebody. Well, it doesn't say they confessed everybody else's sins. They confessed their own sins and they were baptized and, and that changed their lives. And this shows us that it's not too late. It's not too late to apologize. As long as we're here and God's here, we can come clean with God. We can repent. We can confess. It says confessing. That means to say the same thing. They said the same. God said they had sinned and they said the same thing. I'll tell you what, it is too late. It's not too late to apologize, but it is too late not to apologize. I mean, if all heaven is breaking loose, if, if God's here in our midst this morning, if we're in His presence, then it would be too late for us not to apologize. And notice that in verse 7 it says the Sadducees and Pharisees, Sadducees don't believe anything. The Pharisees, you know, believe the Bible from Genesis to maps. I mean, they believe everything, but they're coming and they're legalistic and the Sadducees are the opposite of legalistic and And they're coming and John doesn't tell them you can't come. It's too late for people like you. He says it's too late for you not to come. He says you got here right on time. Who warned you to flee from the wrath to come like a brood of vipers, like those people in West Texas who smoked the rattlesnakes out. Somebody put smoke in the cave and out came the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And he says, do you know you are right on time? Because you you need, the axe is at the root of the tree. And if you don't bring forth fruit of repentance, God's going to chop the tree down. It's a good thing you showed up when you did. He says, it's too late for you people not to apologize. And I can imagine some of us came here today and we thought, you know, it was just, it's too late for me to come clean with God. It's too late for me to apologize. I've just gone too far. I've been away from God for too long. And the good news is it's not too late to apologize. But I can imagine somebody else who came in and maybe like them, you know, they were descendants of Abraham and they were very proud of that. We could say, you know, I am so Baptist and I, I mean, they held me under the water till I bubbled. I couldn't be more Baptist than I am. And, and I don't need anything. I don't have to apologize. I don't have to repent. I don't have to confess. And, and the good news is it's too late not to apologize. For people like us who might trust in our own righteousness sometimes, he says, it's, it's time to come clean with God. It's, it's time. He says, you know, if you've been frightened by the fire, well, that's good. Let God get your attention. Our God is a consuming fire, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 29 says. And we should live in the fear of the Lord. And that ought to cause us to confess and repent. I don't know if you've read the Dave Freeman's little book, A Hundred Things to Do Before You Die, it inspired that movie, The Bucket List. And uh, Dave Freeman and a co-author made a list of a hundred things they were going to do. They were going to run from the bulls in Pamplona. They were going to experience a a Haitian voodoo uh, gathering. They were going to do all these things before they died. And then Dave Freeman, at the age of 47, May of last year, just died in his own home. And he hadn't finished his list. He just checked off 50 of the 100. And worst of all, not one place on that list of 100 in that book does it say anything about knowing Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. And I tell you, if you reach the end and you haven't come to know Christ as Savior, then it is too late. 
And so that's why today is the day of salvation. It's too late not to apologize. He says, bring forth fruit of repentance. Show some evidence because verse 10, God's going to chop the tree down if no fruit is born. And the fruit of repentance is is a, a confession that agrees with God and says, I mourn. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, we shouldn't be puffed up about sin. We should mourn and grieve over our sin. Not just over the sin in the world, but the sin in our lives. And we have to confess that. One of the heroes on YouTube last year was a young man named Casey Worthington Delaney. He lives in Australia, decided to have a party when his parents were out of town, decided to invite 500 of his best friends over the internet. And they all showed up and the police showed up and they had a, uh, they, they ran the police off throwing bricks at them and, uh, police helicopters came and, uh, at the end of the day when the party was over, his parents had been on vacation and they found out about it. The police charged his family $20,000 for their services that evening. Kind of got everybody's attention. Casey was conveniently not at home when his parents showed up at the house, but, uh, a local reporter found him and interviewed him on television and said, are you sorry for what you've done? And he kind of shook his head and said, yeah, I'm sorry, but it's not my fault. Not my fault. All these people came and started throwing bricks. I was just going to have a party. And but are you really sorry? Well, you know, and finally she said, well, let me ask you this. If some other kids were going to have a party like that and throw a party, what would your advice to them be? And he said, call me so I can plan it for you. That is not repentance. You can say you're sorry, but if you're going to do the same thing, he says, bring forth fruit of repentance because God's going to chop down the tree and it's not good enough to have this heritage. In fact, he says, you and I must repent so that we can be healed. Not only be reconciled with God, Second Corinthians chapter 5, not only does he say that we can be reconciled to God, but he's given us the message, the ministry of reconciliation. So we say to others, be reconciled to God, but we have to be reconciled to each other. We had the chance to see that play, Wicked, while we were there in, in uh, New York. And I thought, man, I've been preaching against Wicked all day, all my life. What am I doing in a place called Wicked? But it's really kind of a family-friendly thing, and it's a Wizard of Oz kind of thing. And And there at the end, these two ladies with very powerful voices were singing to each other. And the one said, for the things that I have done that harmed you, I am sorry. A very powerful moment. Two sisters apologizing to each other. And I've been thinking, if I could just model this for you as a congregation, I'm guessing in the last 12 months, maybe in the last 12 weeks, maybe in the last 12 minutes, I as a pastor have failed you in some way that we as a staff, despite our best intentions, maybe we made a promise that we didn't keep in the last year and we don't even know what it was, but you know and you remember. And I want to just say for the things we have done, sins of commission, for the things we have failed to do, I want to confess to you as a pastor, I get a lot of at bats. I've been here 10 years and preached I don't know how many sermons and I sometimes say good things and sometimes, sometimes I miss the mark. And I want to confess to you and say to you, it is my goal in 2009 to be a better pastor to you than I've ever been. And for the times I failed you, I ask you to forgive me. There's no sense carrying old baggage into a new year. But can I model that for you and say maybe somebody's sitting next to you or somebody in your family or somebody you're going to have to call this afternoon. You've got you to come clean with them before you can come clean with God. And my word to you is whatever you have to do to get right, Get right. Make things right. Make restitution. Bring forth repentance. Apologize. Make rep- whatever you have to do. Because all of us in many ways 
falls short of the glory of God. And we need forgiveness to live. And the good news is, we can repent. We can be changed. We can be transformed. Will you pray with me? Father, I pray that you would help us today to come clean with you because we need your forgiveness more than anything else. Help us now, we pray. I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.